Okay, I want, I want to talk about uh, the fatherhood of God. And we were looking at it on Tuesday. I, I uh, talked about it um, before uh, President Roberts was here. Um, always, you have to come to face the fact, uh, and I think it's the most important factor, that people need to come into a relationship with God where they're born again and the fatherhood of God becomes real to them. And that is an essential part of life. And it's spiritual. I think that what has happened is they've escaped from the reality of total life transformation being necessary. And the only way it can ever be uh, happen is by the incorruptible word of God being preached. It cannot happen any other way. Jesus Christ said, how will they hear without a preacher? Um, and how will... Um, he didn't, it was Romans. Um, how will they hear without a preacher? And how will he go unless he's sent? Uh, and the, the fact is that it's always necessary for the word of God to be spoken. I hear many people say that there are other ways to do it. You cannot indoctrinate Christianity into someone. It is impossible. They must be born again. And Jesus Christ made it so clear in John's Gospel, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born from above. And of course the question came back, how can I be born again? Uh, can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? No, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. You must be born. And birth, as I said, is not by the will of man, nor by the will of the flesh. It's God who does it. And it's a sovereign work of a sovereign God. And there is no way you can teach, educate, or bring people into that life it is impossible. The natural mind cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. It cannot know the things of the Spirit. cannot understand the things of the Spirit. God alone can bring us in. And I am a great believer in the foolishness of preaching as the only method. The gospel, that's the good news, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You have to hear it spoken by the Spirit and God will birth you. And if that hasn't happened, you're not in life. And then the Spirit comes in and the cry, Abba, Father, and your whole life is transformed. You become a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And all things are of God. Your nature changes. The sin nature and power of sin is broken forever. There comes within you the power to live the life of Christ. There comes within you the reality of the Spirit. And He burns in every part of your being and burns out that which really destroys. Your mind is transformed, your heart is transformed, and you come alive in God. Now that is new birth, which is not any longer taught and preached. A lot of people think that they're preaching that when they talk about giving your heart to Jesus. That is not new birth. 
You can give your heart to God many times, but that does not change you. What changes you is when God does something. You're born of God. And that's the most wonderful experience of all. Uh, 35 years ago, that's what happened to me. It changed my nature, my life, my mind, my heart, my being, everything about me. I was not the person I was born. I was a new creation in Christ. I never ever needed deliverance from anything. I never needed healing of memories. It is nothing to do with Christianity. What you need to do is forget. It says forget those things that are behind. I didn't have a past, I had a future. Jesus Christ had met me in reality. Um, I didn't need to go and sort out who had hurt me and who had done that. You know, life's, life's not nice. Things go wrong. I didn't have to go back and forgive everyone who'd offended me. For goodness sake, I'd have been there the rest of my life trying to do that. I did not need to really sort things out. God sorts you out. You know, salvation's of God. He saves you. Lock, sock, stock and barrel, or to put it more biblically, body, soul and spirit. Um, and you get completely and utterly saved. Now, if that hasn't happened to you, you aren't a child of God. End of story. You might be on the way, but you certainly aren't in life. Many, many people come by steps to that experience. Doesn't mean that what they had was invalid, uh, but it does mean that it takes time, sometimes God brings people, and everyone will come a different way. Um, but what you have to understand is that you can have a lot of experiences, but that won't really change your inside. And I, I find a lot of people who have experiences who've never had new birth. Doesn't mean that their experiences weren't of God, because God sometimes will use things to bring people to that place where they come into birth and life or to get them to a church where the gospel is preached where that life can flow and those experiences are very genuine and I find a lot of people feel because they haven't come into life that therefore the experience they've had before aren't genuine. No, they can be genuine experiences because Jesus healed the sick. Jesus delivered captives. You remember there were ten lepers. Nine went away. Every one of them healed because he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they saw they were cleansed. One came back and was made whole. And it's very important to understand that you, you can have a real touch from God that's genuine, but it doesn't necessarily bring you into what God really wants, which is, you need to be born from above. But if you keep coming, God will get you. If you keep where the word of God is preached, God will bring you in. And it's God who does it. Don't ever get this idea that you can come out and, and somehow um, an experience will happen or someone will come and 
because I have never, since the day I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I have never had an experience that I need beyond that. I, I've never needed another anointing because I have the anointed one living within me. His name is Jesus. And he is the anointed. I haven't sought another anointing. It's ridiculous to even think of it. It's not even biblical. Um, there's only one anointed. He, <laughs> Jesus was. The Lord has anointed me. What's he anointed me to do? Jesus didn't go and say, I need another anointing. Um, you don't need another anointing. There's no biblical base for it. Uh, when David was anointed king, he was anointed king. End of story. Uh, right throughout scripture, it makes it plain. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came and fire sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, they were immersed in the Spirit. God filled them. Now they were devout and holy men out of every nation came together, not sinners, devout and holy men. And 3,000 were added to the church. Bang! And God did something beautiful. Now do understand that the deceptions that go on so often, the disciples were never frightened and hidden away. They were in the temple with singleness of heart praising God. It says in Luke's Gospel, you go to Acts and it makes it quite plain that they were in a room and if you read in the house and the word house there is translated temple if you go back to the Greek and if you don't believe me you can ask Dr. Hayden who's bound to agree with me um, and that's why when it was noised abroad because everyone heard it they could all race together because they were already in the temple in an upper room and if you read your Bible you can't go wrong but then people don't do that if you read in Acts, when, when the ascension happened and Jesus was taken up, said they went back to Jerusalem praising God and were in the temple rejoicing he's risen. They weren't all hidden away. And I find that so repugnant that people would say that. In fact, let's look at it. I, I wasn't going to look at that. It just occurs to me. Oh, look at this. How about this? Um, Luke 24, if you don't believe me. Here he's going to go up into glory. Uh, verse um, 44. He said, He said unto them, These words which I spoke, Bake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and he said unto them thus it is written and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. 
And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and locked themselves in an upper room and hid. I beg your pardon? Now where do Pentecostals get that from? Says, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen? Now does it say that? Do you believe the Bible's right? Well, if they're continually in the temple, blessing and praising God, where do you think the upper room was? Down a road, somewhere else, eh? That's what it says. God never... Hey, when Jesus was risen, the devil was defeated. The devil was totally and utterly and completely vanquished. 2,000 years ago, every principality and every power was defeated 2,000 years ago. It's over. And there was Jesus risen. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And you notice it was Moses, the Psalms, the prophets. Um, because the scriptures weren't the New Testament, they were Old Testament. They needed to understand. He'd come. And he was taken up into heaven before their eyes. Uh, and he'd said, look, I'm sending the Holy Ghost. And they went back and there was great joy. Do you know, it's amazing. When they were in the temple praising God and rejoicing and full of joy, the Holy Ghost fell on them. They weren't tarrying, they weren't crying, they weren't moaning. They were joyful. He's alive, he's risen. He took my sins and your sins into his own body. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's risen, he's gone home to be with Father. And there was great joy and faith in their heart. A baptism of the Holy Ghost that so floods your being that every part of your being is alive in God. That is new birth. Uh, whatever you want to call it. The gifts of the Spirit are no big deal. Wonderful. But the most important thing is He's come. And then He begins to take of His and show it to you. And I found that always amazing. You know, as a son, you, you have contact with Father. And not only do you have the praise and the liberty, but you have the revelation. I, 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 I'm suspicious when I find people don't have that kind of knowledge. Because there's giftings and callings. But I tell you one thing, Everyone who's truly born, this book becomes their life. It becomes their reality. Becomes their everything. And uh, the world doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It, it, the world doesn't know nothing. God is everything. Uh, and the book's everything. I believe in education, but I believe in the book. Uh, and I've found that God has the answers. And that's it. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when you're born, it's, it's your food. 
it's your diet, it's your whole being. And if it isn't, you're not born. Sorry, you're dead. And it's not religion anymore, it's just life. It's what's so wonderful. So, so easy. I, I've never sought God for gifts, I never would. Don't need to, because Jesus came. I've got the giver of all gifts. He lives, I, I, I'm not sure about all the ideas that people come up with of how you get this or how you get, I, I don't know, I, I just. I find that God is a, uh, he's my father and, and I, I, you know, he loves me. Therefore my expectancy of his provision was always part of my life. My expectancy of healing was part of my life. I, 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 don't, I don't know, I don't understand some people. I just don't, I don't know what they've got, but it sure isn't what I got. I know what God did. And, and I know that every true son has a relationship that's different. I mean, it's more solid than you, you know, I'm married, but my relationship to God's much more solid because he's in me, he lives in me, he's alive in me and there's nothing you can go through that God can be separated from you because he can't, he won't ever leave you or forsake you, you're in him and he's in you and that, 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 is, that is life. And that is the norm for everyone who's truly born again. And then you're part of the family. And outside of that, you're not part of the family. You can't, you can't get in by reason, you can't get in by will, you can't get in by doctrine, you get in by birth. Uh, and I want to emphasize it time and again because I know that's the only way uh, and you, you know fasting and praying won't get you born might get you lighter but it won't get you born talking about lighter in weight uh, there, there ain't no way to, to there's no formula just got to be where God is have you ever thought the man at the, the gate of the temple, beautiful, he was sitting there and Jesus passed by the hour of prayer he went and there came a day when Peter and John passed by. Jesus has gone that way many times. Have you ever thought about it? It wasn't his time. And I look at some people and it's not their time. And you can't make it a person's time when it isn't their time. And that's one of the problems with Christians. They want to force what they've got in the people. You can't. There comes a day when a heart opens and God's spirit moves and you can lead them in easy. And there's another day when you can talk and your words bounce off, you know, and come back. You can't persuade someone to be a Christian. And you've got to see, when, when, that when you perceive a person has faith to be healed, that perception 
brings the miracle but the perception was a God-given thing and God was already ready to do the miracle the idea that somehow we can do something is obnoxious to me it's all of God that's why Jesus kept saying you know what I see the Father do that's what I do my question to many Christians is have you actually seen what the Father's doing? If you don't see what the Father's doing you'll never enter into the will of God. You could heal the sick, you could deliver the captive and you could end up in hell. Because there are spiritual principles you can take hold of and do things and destroy yourself. But you've got to understand that our God is a great God. And Jesus said, hey, come on. It's whatever the Father says, that's what I'll speak. What I see the Father do, that's what I'll do. And that's what makes the difference between a Christian and a heathen. Now you need the wrong around to, to prove the right. Some people think you can have a perfect church. No. What you'll get, you always got the wrong in there too. You know, that's why you need light and dark. You know, you know the, 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 what's light because of what's dark. It differentiates, it, it divides. And there's a sense in which always, when, when you cast the net into the sea, you remember? You gather all manner of fish when you go out and you preach the gospel, all manner of fish, and as I've said so many times, some without any manners. And, and in they come, and then the angels sort them. And, and it's not my job to sort them. It's the angels' job. And, and we've got to the stage where, where so many pastors try and sort them. Because I have come to the conclusion that if God doesn't do something in your life, it's useless, me trying. If you keep coming, God will do it. But if you're the type who just wants to be disgruntled, moan and be critical and analytical and super spiritual, this is the wrong place for you because I couldn't help you. You can find plenty of places where they'll do whatever, but as for me, I, I'm just not like that. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a counsellor. I, I wouldn't have a clue how to counsel people. Jesus is the counselor. I don't want to take his job away. I, do you know, when God births and chooses someone, he, he doesn't seem to have any regard for where they've come from, what they've experienced, what they do. He just births them and brings them in. And fatherhood is like that. And I've got three children, and each one of the children was totally different. You know, same father and mother, but three different kids. You couldn't say that there was... You know, they, they obviously... I mean, my son is handsome like me, got my looks. Uh, my daughter is intelligent like me, she's got my brains. And... Um, you know, they've both got my wife's smile. Um, and, and you look at them, I remember Archbishop Benson Ederhose walked up to Matthew 
when he, it must have been 15 years ago, and Matthew was a little, t he said, you have stolen your father's face. <laughs> a typical African expression. In other words, he looks like me. Uh, but God is God. And that's a wonderful thing. Do you know what I think about Christians? They take the romance out of Christ. They take the joy, the spontaneity. I, I love it the way that God is sovereign. I love to pronounce the sovereignty of God. God Almighty. Almighty. He is the birther. He is the, the creator. He's the Lord. He's the glory. And he's our Father. And it's so wonderful. So, so wonderful. And you know when he meets you, there's nothing he won't do for you. No, no miracle. There's no, there's no boundary. You're open on a, on a vast sea. Uh, and our God is good. Really good. He heals, he delivers, he makes whole. And he loves us. No matter how much we mess up, he'll always clean us up, put us back on our feet, make us whole. Why? Because we're his. We belong to him. That's why I love those scriptures say, no you're not, you've been bought with a price, you're not your own. You really don't have rights. He has all rights to your life. Father, somehow it, it's his child. There's nothing God won't do for you. Each one of you. To me, I just mentioned to God, if I need something, I mention it to him. Don't, no prayer, I just tell him. He kind of, you know, I don't have to pray through, pray through what, a fog? I mean, God lives in me, you know. I never seek him because he hadn't got lost. I know where he is, he lives in me. And you just kind of commune. And I listen to some people, it's as though God's up there. Or it's far off. God's always with me. Always hears. And I see that that kind of relationship is, is so different from some people say, oh, you know, we need revival. No, no, you only need that if you're dead. I'm alive. He lives in me. He's my father. Our life is wonderful. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I'm his son. I'm so happy he's my father. I, I, I'm very happy with life. Can't think of anything I enjoy more than living. Uh, I'm being in him and he in me. And we're getting on great. <laughs> and there ain't no strife and I, I never get perplexed. And, I go to bed at night and I wake up in the morning and it's great to be alive. 
I, I don't ever wonder, never doubted, not since the day I was birthed, couldn't. Never ever got doubts, never got conflicts, sorry I don't, not in my mind, not in my heart, no, I just know I belong to him. Sonship. You hear what I'm saying? Once he comes, it's life. Everything you do, it's living. Uh, and it's easy. And, and when you're in God and God's really birthed you from above, there, there's a totally different relationship from anyone else on earth. And that was what God, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, that's what got to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They said to Jesus, you've made yourself equal with God. You're, you're kind of, there's something obnoxious to man about that when a man has a real relationship with God. But that is what every born-again son is, alive in him. And that's what we're talking about. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're not there, Keep coming. But don't strain to get into something that only God can bring you into. Relax. God loves you. It's not his desire that anyone should be lost. It's not some great strain. You've got to start, ooh, do this, do that. No, just begin to open up your heart. When God speaks, do as he says. And you'll find he'll bring you into life. And then you'll be a son. Sons, they abide in the house ever. You know the mark of a servant? He comes in and out. Can't abide in the house. That's why when I listen to people who say, Oh Lord, we come into your presence. I think they're not sons. <laughs> I live in his presence. When people feel they've got to get to church and start praising God for God to come, they're not sons. They're servants, but the servant abideth ever. We're in the house. It says so in Hebrews. That's what it meant. And I just love it. I find it wonderful. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Hey, I'm glad I'm a son. I'm glad it's Father's job. Do you know Jesus is building his church and he's doing a good job and he's working on you and he'll get you there. What God begins he'll perfect. You don't have to stress, strain, don't have to run off somewhere and get someone to pray for you. Just abide. God will do it. Just kind of rest. God's faithful. And it takes all the weight off you, the strain off you, to know the loving Heavenly Father wants you to be what He wants more than you want to be. He loves you. He really does. He wants to heal you. Wants to break the chains. Not angry with you. He's not in the punishment business. He's not running cell block H, waiting for you. He's come to lead you out of the prison house. 
kind of break every chain, loose every fetter. He's a good God. As the good news. He's never angry. It's not like that. Not with his sons. <laughs> this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you notice, even when the prodigal son came back, he didn't say, son, why'd you go off? He just welcomed him. Our God's so good. Man wants retribution. God wants restoration. Man wants penalty. God just wants relationship. So different. He's so good. Sonship's the most wonderful thing of all. Terrible being a servant when you can be a son. Hmm? Would you like to be in that realm? Just keep coming. People have said to me, oh, you know, lay hands on me. Well, that won't help you. Now, if you're sick, I'll lay hands on you and you'll recover. But this birth is from above. Suddenly that word will burst on your soul and everything will change. And until then, keep coming. God will faithfully meet you. I believe in it. That's why I preach the gospel. Now you can respond, you can come out, I can pray for you. But I know this, there comes a time when bang, that word comes alive. That's why I say when I invite people out, say if the Holy Ghost has spoken, if you know it's God, then respond. And those people that I see where the Holy Ghost has really spoken within them, I know God will meet them. But I know there'll be others that will come out because they feel, yeah, I, I, I'm not there. But they come out and they get prayed for but they don't get it because what they have they've got an intellectual assent to it but not a spiritual revelation of it and that's God lighting a man but if you keep coming he'll light you as sure as anything I guarantee you will God will get you because he loves you and is merciful. Okay? Is that understandable? You say, say, you know, Bishop, I can understand that. Go on, say it. I'll tell you. Say it. Oh, that's good. See? Because it's so simple, isn't it? Now, wasn't that simple? Wasn't it? See, one thing I want to get off your shoulders is the weight where people condemn. You know, they want to tell you, oh, you know, you do this, do that. Don't pray enough, don't do this enough, don't do that enough. And in the end, they put so many weights on you. And people get condemned, you know. And they put their alarm clock on. And they, six o'clock, the alarm rings, they get out of bed. They get their Bible, they open their Bible by their bed. And they're gone. 
And then they think God will get them because they failed. They dozed in their quiet time. I tell you what I do. I sleep. If God wants to wake me up at six, fine, he'll wake me. But usually he lets me sleep. I'm a night bird. An owl. In the night, watches. See, an owl's watching the night. God speaks to me. Or in the shower in the morning. God wakes till I'm, waits till I'm awake. You know, Christianity is the most relaxing thing in the world. I think that's wonderful. Let's all stand. Huh? You know, put your hand on your chest. Say, God thinks I'm wonderful. He sent his son to shed his blood for me. His blood was precious. It's bought something precious. Me. I'm precious to God. Very precious. Do you really believe that with all your heart? It's true. God never buys rubbish with the blood of his son. He's bought something most precious. Your heart and your soul. You belong to him. Amen. You're his child. There's nothing he won't do for you. Nothing. That's the truth. And I tell you this, woe betide anyone that tries to rise up against you and form a weapon against you. It's not going to prosper. They're in trouble, not you. God's on your side. Okay? <laughs>